glad you could join us here for our Sunday service. I'd like to welcome you if you're joining us for the first time. We have many things we do here at Big Church other than our Sunday service that happened throughout the week, and I just want to share a few of them with you today. It was the first bite of Christmas and all through the church. The people were hungry, and for treats they did search. With parties and dinners planned for late in December. There's a family celebration you need to remember. The first bite of Christmas is something so sweet. For Big Church family to share some nice treats. But more than the treats, it's about sharing God's love. And the gift we received from heaven above. We will share some baked goods, some laughs, and warm hugs. In sweaters while holding hot chocolate and mugs. So come on out to this fun family time. We hope you'll You'll remember remember because because of this rhyme. Hey, Big Church family, on December 10th, we will be having the first bite of Christmas. This is an opportunity for us to hang out before Christmas, enjoy some time together and some great treats. So make sure that you put it in your calendar, December 10th, to come on out. And we're gonna be just having a typical service, but we're gonna have a Christmas theme And we're going to be having some food and fellowship right after the service. So we hope you can make it. You're invited to One Church, One Savior Christmas Eve service at 5 o'clock here at Bethel. Come join several churches in Barrett as we celebrate the birth of our Savior this evening. And there's no child care provided. If you want more information, you can go to onechurchbarrett.ca. Once again, we get to join the churches of Barrie and pray at City Hall for our government and our leaders. And so if you want to do that, we're doing that on the third Tuesday of every month from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock in the afternoon. If you want more information, go to onechurchbarrie.ca. At 5 p.m. we have our Kids Club Night. It's every other Tuesday that takes place and between the ages of 12 and under for our Kids Club service. Also, we have our Youth Nights that also take place on Tuesday at 7 p.m. And if you're a youth from the ages of 12 to 18, you can come and join us for that. We also have on Wednesdays, we have our small group night with Pastor Greg and Sheila for both the men and women. So you can join us for that as well. And on Thursday nights, we have our prayer night, a powerful time to come together and pray together, as well as at the last Thursday of every month, we have our Ignite Berry Prayer, which is where many churches come together and we pray together, and it's an amazing, powerful time. On the second and the fourth Sunday of every month, we have our family-friendly small group at 3 p.m. So you can join us here for that as well. Also, you can stay connected with us by heading over to the weekly at uh, bigchurchberry.ca slash connect, and you can sign up for the weekly there. And every bit of information that happens, every update that takes place, you'll be the first to know about it there. We just wanna thank you for joining us for this Sunday service. And we'd also like to thank Bethany Worship for providing the online worship experience for all of you that are joining us online. So just uh, engage during worship, be a part of it tonight, and we are believing that God will do big things in your life. Christ, our confidence. In a world where people build confidence in relationships, money, social media, and many other things, the result may look appealing to the eye, but in the end, we see broken families, money never buying happiness, influencers overdosing and feeling depressed, 
because the core of what their confidence was in crumbled. Christ is our only firm foundation and we can put our confidence in him because he remains faithful through all generations. It's time to take a weekend, come away, and unplug. Life's great challenge is to stand firm on this rock and this weekend is your chance to build on this solid foundation.
faith arise Let all agree There's no power Oh, come on, let's sing it out together I will believe I will believe For greater things There's no power
awesome, isn't he? Amen. I mean, if we didn't have him, we would be completely lost. You know what I mean? Like, I, I honestly wouldn't know what to do with my life. Um, I would not be in the, uh, here in the house of the Lord, that's for sure, without him. I mean, if you really think about it, all of us have 
a place where we, where we started, right? And for me, I know that I'd probably be in some kind of ditch somewhere, dead and dying, and that would be it. That'd be the end. If it wasn't for someone named Jesus Christ who moved on people and was able to actually pursue Aaron Newman and pursue every other person and their names and, and pursue after them and bring them into that kingdom, amen? And so today I actually want to talk, um, you know, yesterday we had Remembrance Day. So, you know, that was, that's great. I mean, these are men and women, right, that served and stood and they were fighting for freedom. And they had something that was like ingrained in them, principles, values, right? Living for something bigger than themselves, all of those things, right? And so it is so honoring, right? When we get to honor those that are serving and that are laying down their life for someone else. And that's a love and that's a sacrifice. And today, the message that I want to talk about is actually a love and sacrifice and that they're too precious to count. That love and sacrifice is too precious to count. And that's what I felt the, the Holy Spirit was leading me to. And I can tell you one thing, is that the love and sacrifice of Christ far exceeds any war, anything that we've ever done. It's that love of Christ that actually compels all of mankind to come to know him. Because even before there was um, Remembrance Day, before there was you know, World War, before all of those things took place, there was somebody who died on a cross. There was somebody who died for our sins. Amen? And so today, let's, let's think about that and let's go into what that love and sacrifice really means and how it's too precious to count. So when I was thinking about, uh, and I was just praying on it, and I was just talking to the Lord, and it was like, um, you know, too precious to count. The first thing that came to my mind was Abraham. And so if we actually go into Genesis 15, 1 to 6, am I loud enough in here? Is it? Everybody good? Okay. Um, it says here, Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and um, said to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son, since you've given me no children? Um, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, first let's pause right there. How many of us in our lives are confused and riddled with the circumstance that we're faced with? How many of us, when you think about where you're at right now, maybe you're looking at your bills, or maybe you're looking at you know, just your relationships with different family members, or friends that you um, are feeling a little bit disjointed or maybe disconnected from. Or, you know, maybe you're looking at, well, what, what, what am I called to do? All of these kinds of things are the kinds of things that riddle our minds. Abraham was not somebody who didn't have the same types of riddles going on in his head. He was a man that had the exact same thing. But there's a difference with the thing that Abraham had. And he had somebody who was the Lord. And so when Abraham was talking to the Lord, he was deeply perplexed by his situation. 
and knew that he had no means of getting himself out of that situation. He didn't know what to do, and he was like, God, like, you know, I'm going to have all this, this good stuff. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Where's, where's the wealth, right? You know, going to go. And it's like, what did he say? He said, I'm going to give you that descendant. You're going to be able to pass that on to generation, to generation, to generation. So what happened in this situation? Well, it says, then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir. For you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him. So not only did he say, you're going to have a son. This is what he says. Took him outside. Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. Remember that. Count the stars if you can. Count the stars if you can. What does that mean? It says, that's how many descendants you will have. So not only was Abraham a person that was riddled with, with something where he felt like he was going to be despised and he felt like he was going to have you know, rejection and have nothing. Not only did God break that by saying, you're going to have a son, which is practical to our mind, but he actually told them, step outside because I've got something that's even far greater than that for you. Look up into the sky. Not only that, he also knew that in our own human mind, in my own human mind, I have a limitation and a cap on how I per would perceive something. I have a limitation and a cap. You have to look at the fact that we have these things that we build up on the inside of us, right? Or am I the only one? Do I have areas in my life that maybe I'm the only one that has these things where, you know, I've got battles and challenges in my life where, you know, I'm sitting there and being perplexed, but the next guy beside me is not having that. I guarantee you that each one of us have those areas, right? We're all those people that are in need. But he says, look up to the stars, look up to the sky and count them if you can. Count them if you can. Think about that. How many stars are there? He knew that the man, he knew that the man Abraham was not going to be able to observe and be able to count them all. You know, he could sit there and Abraham probably maybe counted like a few that were in the sky. And think about this back in the day. What was the sky like back then? Today you have a lot of pollution, right? So you're not really seeing maybe a lot of stars. But if you ever look at those images that you see online where you see like nice clear stars, like I used to live out in, in Newfoundland and I can tell you, when I lived out there, I mean the sky was really clear. And I mean, it was amazing all of the stars that you could see out there. You, like you could be lit up, you don't even have to have as much of the moon, the stars are there and they light up the whole sky. And so this is what Abraham saw. He saw countless upon countless of stars. And this is the God of heaven, right? This is the God of heaven. And he said, count them. And so then Abraham, he, he was counting the stars and he says, that's how many descendants you will have. And it says, and Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith, because of not what he did, but because of his faith, because he gave him a promise and he said, this is what I have for you and this is what I want you to believe in. And Abraham went, oh, fantastic. How many of us feel like in our heart, in our spirit, that we are actually deprived, that we are given second best? Is it just me? Is it just me? 
How many of us feel like we're not meant to have, right, success in different areas of our, in, of our life? How many of us feel like in our dreams that we have on the inner man, of the inner person of ourselves, how many of us feel like we're not supposed to have those kinds of things? How many of us feel like we're not supposed to? We're supposed to be somewhat more deprived of that. Let me tell you something. Let's be like Abraham. And let's look up to the stars. Amen? Because the thing is, God says he's not a respecter of persons. That when you're a descendant of Abraham, now you become an heir according to that descendant lineage. Because we have been grafted into that same lineage. So when you think about Abraham, even though we're Gentiles, when Jesus died on the cross, we're a part of that same heir, right? It says that we get grafted in. Have you ever seen that with a tree? When they go to graft in, what that looks like? They end up, you know, cutting a part of a branch, right? And they put another branch on top of that branch and they wrap it together, right? And what ends up happening is it starts to fuse together and that tree actually ends up growing that new, that branch. And that's what we are. We are, as Gentiles, we are that branch grafted in as heirs, which means that we have the lifeblood that comes from Christ, which means that now we get to have the abundance of fruit that comes from him. And, and, and the, the wonderful thing is that it is countless, that the love that you have, the sacrifice that was given is countless. It's countless. You want to know why it's so countless, why it's so important? Man, I'm going to get ahead of myself. I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself. But think about your children, all right? When, when I have, when I have uh, Timothy and, and we're out and we're playing with tractors, doing whatever, I mean, you know, and he starts, you know, waking up in the middle of the night and all those kinds of things, right? Or, like, you know, maybe he's crying a lot and, you know, he's having a hard time. Maybe he's not feeling well that day. Well, you know, there's a grace there, right? There's, there's a grace there for him. And how many times do I still go out of my way, right? How many times do I still sacrifice out of my life to go and serve my son? Why? And why, you know, and, and, and the, the cool thing about this is that it's countless. Because when I really have a genuine love and I have a genuine sacrifice, it doesn't matter how many times. It doesn't matter how often these circumstances happen, I'm gonna always be there and be continual over and over and over and over again, right? I'm gonna be there for him. But it's because of the love and the sacrifice that I want to produce inside of his life because that love and sacrifice is something that I will, will do for him, right? And so it's these kinds of things. When you think about this love and sacrifice, when you think about Jesus Christ, how many times is he going to go to bat for you? You know, when you think of like a, a business transaction, a little, you know, a tit for a tat kind of thing, you know, so it's like, okay, you know, you scratch my back, I scratch your back, that kind of thing, right? Or, you know, maybe you've got people that you talk to and you're like, okay, yeah, you know what? I'm going to be nice to you and give you this thing, but you got to give me this other thing. You know what I mean? And it's like, oh, you know, like, so there's, there's all of those kinds of things that happen. But when you love... You love and you give with, without needing to have, you have no expectation. You have no expectation. You're not saying, oh, well, I need to have, you know, I need to have more. No. But what ends up happening is in a loving relationship, what ends up happening? 
Timothy is coming. He's hanging out with me, right? He's coming. He's blowing kisses. He's, you know, giving me uh, things that he finds on the ground. He's talking to me. He's learning to clean up. He's learning to be responsible. All these kinds of cool things start happening. And so that's what happens when we look at love and, um, and sacrifice. And let's go into Romans here. It says, and, and this is the cool thing about Christ, is this is where it really hits home. It says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. Because guess what? We can't honor the law, right? We can't actually do that in our own strength. It's like, if I was to tell Timothy, I want you to be responsible for all of your own dirty diapers. Like, you're going to be responsible for your own dirty diapers. You did the, you did the crime, you do the time. Like, I mean, amen. Hey, there's uh, uh, my wife. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that works like that, right? You know what I mean? Because he's not learned yet. But he's going to learn, right? So the thing is, <clears throat> you know, it's that we can't keep all those requirements of the law. It says, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, it says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standards. Aaron is fallen short of God's glorious standards. You are fallen short of God's glorious standards. That's what we've all, we've all had. And it says, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being um, fair when he held back and did not punish those who um, sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what uh, he would do in the present time. Think about this. David said, God, you were so merciful. God, you were so merciful and loving and compassionate and willing to forgive us of our sins. You know, will you not, you know, forgive me of the things that, you know, that he was doing? Like, there's some pretty bad things that, that David did too, right? With, you know, Bathsheba. So it's like, look at these things. God is such a forgiving God. And, you know, he did that because he had a bigger plan. He knew that this was going to happen when Jesus Christ was going to come. He knew that. Think about it. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what would have happened at that time? If God, was, God is a truly just and honorable God to his word, what should have happened is mankind gets eliminated right there. Mankind gets expunged from creation. We... Humanity gets, we're, we're done. We're gone. But here's the thing, is that God did not have it that way. That he predestined Christ to come. He predestined Christ to already come into, uh, into existence. That even the law, I won't get into all this, there's a whole theology around this, but even the law, everything that was happening all the way up to the point of Christ, was to point to humanity, showing humanity that we're basically sinners, that we're not able to actually do it ourselves. 
and that we actually need somebody outside of ourselves. We need a God, not any man, not any of the disciples, not Moses, not Aaron, not any of those people. No one, no man is there exalted with him. It's Christ alone. He's the only one that had the power to be able to break the, the sin on this world because he's outside of the realm of humanity. He can carry any weight. He understands everything. Think about it. It's like if you understand what sin is, we have a knowledge of sin, right? We know what it is. We have a knowledge of good and evil, right? But the thing is you're not mature to know how to handle it. We're also not actually put in a position where we're actually already purified. So we're in this fallen world where we're actually broken and beaten and tattered. And every single person is walking around trying to figure out how to progress forward in their life. And Christ came to be able to do that because he already had the answers. He's like, I don't break under sin. I don't break when, when Satan comes against me. I don't break when I go to the cross. I don't break when I take the, key, the keys away from, from Satan and from hell and all of those things. He didn't break once. He didn't crack in that. And it's because of how powerful God truly is. Amen? All right. So, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God um, when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not uh, punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in the present time. So God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just and he makes sinners right in his sight. He makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. That's the only way you're going to get made right is believing in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God. No, because our um, acquittal, sorry, is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Amen. Like that's a blessing. It's a blessing and it's a challenge. You wanna know what the challenge is? Your pride goes out the window. You know what the blessing is? That because your pride's out the window and you're not involved in the process, you don't have to worry about making your salvation transpire. That Christ makes your, trans uh, makes your salvation transpire through you. That God, when you believe in Jesus Christ, that, that he says that he makes the sinner, right? He makes the sinner change. That's what happens. And then you end up not being sinful and all of those things. As a, as, a, as a byproduct, as a fruit of knowing Christ, as a fruit of knowing the love and sacrifice of Christ, do you know that you actually can't produce it? Like, I, I've, you know, walked with God a long time. Um, you know, now that I'm 36, I feel like I've, you know, sure, in, in my high school age, there was a time when I, I fell away from the Lord. But outside of that, there's been a lot of these uh, processes that I think that I've, I've had to grapple with, right? Like there's times where, you know, there's been elements of the law that have riddled my mind and, you know, I've kind of fallen prey to some, some aspects of that. And when I mean that, what I mean by that is 
you know, there's a, there's a hidden, even though you understand the biblical truth, even though I understand the same truth that we all understand, that there's hidden things in our heart that we don't even pay attention to. Little micro types of actions that we don't even pay attention to, or just types of uh, thoughts that just are rested. They're bedded on, on, on these things that aren't godly. And so there's been times when it's like, you know, I feel like I've had to always pull it together, you know? How many of those, you know, people were, you know, really godly people, but they're always putting, you know, they're putting on like a suit and they're getting out there and they're, they're trying to put on their Sunday best or they're trying to, you know, put on a bit of a show or, you know, they're trying to um, just trying to please a God. But you know what? That you can't even get the relationship birthed. You can't even get the growth inside of your own soul with having that kind of an attitude. That the only way we actually have a place where we can get things birthed is by understanding the love and the sacrifice of Christ himself. That when you understand his death, when you understand and actually receive what he has for you, when he gives you what you have been, um, what you deserve, um, the things that he wants to give to you, that, that, that out of that flow of understanding that you're receiving this gift specific, like directly from Christ first, that when you receive that directly from Christ, that only in that moment that you actually have something worthy to give others. That only out of the fruit of that, that you actually have something that actually will be something that's not um, built out of your own strength. It'll only be in those moments when you actually understand Christ himself. And you know what's so freeing about that? Is that it is so loving when God just relishes these kinds of things on us. That you don't have to be the perfecter of it. That you could be standing right next to the most sinful, uh, deceitful person in the world. But their eyes fixed on Christ will be perfected. And that in that perfection, that all those things get, get expunged. And that God takes that man and brings them to a place where they actually get purified. And they walk a holy life. And they actually show love to one another. And so... Let's go into um, Philippians 3, 2 to 9, because this is a man, if, if we're talking about law, had lots of things he could do when it came to the law. It says, <clears throat> it says, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. Amen? Amen. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised. This was Paul speaking, by the way. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure blood citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, 
so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends upon faith. Amen and amen. You want freedom? Understand Christ. You want freedom? Pursue the right things. Get yourself grounded. Get yourself bedded in the right things. Don't let your work be a work in vain. Don't let it be something that you do in vain. Don't be fooled. Paul was not going to be fooled. This is a man, if anybody could, could have um, boasted in his action, it was that man. And he said, nope, I'm not doing it. I'm counting it all as nothing because it's, that's what I need to do. Um, now let's get into God's love. Let's get into some of that. Oh. Here we are. Okay. This is cool. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 13, the love chapter here. So let's talk about this, okay? It says here, it says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Think about this. When, you go, when we go about our day, when I'm going about my day, okay, there's lots of things that are going on, all right? We had, um, like, our marriage prayer breakfast just on Wednesday. I don't care about making an effort in my own self to think, like, you know, there's something that, um, there's something I'm doing in my, own, in my own human effort that's worth anything, you know what I mean, to, to hold on to. That when we even went and did that, part of that was, you know, God was leading. He was stirring up things inside of me in my quiet time inside of other people in their quiet time and just inside of their own spirit that God was like, okay, there's a new thing I want to do. And he doesn't have to use any of us. He could use anybody. But the thing is, God was able to use a person to be able to do some of those things. But guess what? It doesn't matter because none of that matters. There's no, there's no um, you know, it's, it's not a tit for a tat. It's not a negotiation. This is a loving situation. This is where God comes in and wants to love upon people and wants to bless a community and wants to bless a people, right? And God wants to use people that are going to be instruments for him. That it's not that the person is the person that is actually doing it in their own strength. That we're not trying to put accolades on any particular individuals. That it has no merit and it has no grounds for anything. The only thing that actually matters is that Christ himself is glorified. And, in th and through all of the things that he actually asks us to do, that there is a fruit, there is an abundance, there are qualities and good things that God has in store. And that goes for anything that's going on in, in uh, the church, right? And so it says here, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, um, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. What does it matter? What does it matter? What does it matter if you can do even more than that, right? Like this is the thing today. But if your spirit is t ensnared, if you're ensnared in the wrong things, you're gonna have the fruit that's gonna be wrong. And so the thing is, think about this. There's always gonna be a next thing. There's always gonna be another challenge. There's always gonna be another thing, another obstacle that's gonna get in the way, that's gonna pull your humanity, that's, that's gonna pull at your humanity. And that's going to say, come on, you do this work. Come on, 
you be the one that does this. Rather than looking at it and saying, no, Christ, you do it. No, Christ, your love compels me. No, Christ, your spirit is sacrificing. No, Christ, you did it to me first. You showed me first. And out of the obedience of understanding who you are, now I produce. Now I sow. Now I give. And out of that, it is so freeing. It is so freeing. Who cares? You want to be a noisy gong? We don't want to be that, right? Can I get a show of hands? Do we? Okay. All right. I know people are listening. Wow. Okay. That's, that's a lot of hands. Okay. So if I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans, think about this. All of God's secret plans. He runs everything. Not, not just heaven and earth. Everything. So if you knew every secret plan, okay, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, so power, right, to do things, if I had knowledge, and if I had every hidden secret, what, what would happen here? It says, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Erased. Why? Why? Like some, some of us, this is probably a bit more of a reality check, and, and others, maybe this is, you know, just to freshen you up a little bit, just to get it, get it going a little bit more, amen? Just get more of the Spirit of God in you. Okay, if I gave um, everything I have to the poor, and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Oh my goodness. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's brutal. But it's true. Your human effort will result to nothing. Ask yourself, what do you care about? And ask yourself, God, am I like Abraham? Am I on a journey? When I am beside myself, when I am like, I have no heir. I have all these wonderful gifts. I have all these wonderful things. I have this blessing that God has given me. But if I have no heir, I have nothing. If, like Abraham. And so he, you might have things in your life. You might have areas in your life where you have lots of things. And maybe there's areas where, you know, you're feeling that, that pinch like Abraham in the, the area of his heir. And in that moment, what do you do? Do you build up in yourself? Do you build up in your works and say, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it the way that's going to make it work. I'm going to put the plan together. I'm going to put everything all compartmentalized. I'm going to make it all work. I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to show to other people that I'm the guy that's going to make it all happen. Right? Like, look at me. I can make it happen. Nobody's got my back. I got my own back. Or are you going to be like Abraham and say, God, this is my despair right now. This is my challenge right now, God. What do you say in my challenge? What do you say to me in my challenge? What do you offer me? Because I have 
a heart. I have a desire like each one of you. We all have desires. We all have a spirit. We all have things we long for. Give it to God. And God will give you a countless return on what he can do in your life. Because that is a loving God. That is a God that we serve. That is the God who cares about you. That is what you will remember whether you understand it fully now or in time to come. Because whether you don't understand it or do, he's gracious enough to work inside of your own our, all of our own insignificance. That we get trapped. Personality-wise, I'm a very organized, planned person. And he's still going to work with me. I, I, I like to have it, it all in a row, right? He's still going to work with me. Is he going to do it my way? No. He's going to do it his way. That could be anything. He could do, put the ducks in a row. He could put them all crisscross all over the place. He can make it a big mess. It's up to him to decide if I'm willing to follow after the plan that he has. Because do you want love and sacrifice in your life? Because the thing is, I think that a lot of the times we don't see it and we don't believe it. And it's hard at times to build our faith. It's hard at times to stand the test of time, right? Think about those soldiers. Remembrance Day, right? What do they have to do? in the heart of a battle. Do you think they regretted it? Do you think they, they got homesick and they said, I want to get out of here and go and talk to the, to the general and say, get me out of here. I need to get on a boat and I got to get out of here. And how many of you guys know that they needed some pep talks? They needed some talks at times, right? To be able to have that love and that sacrifice. Think about it with Christ. That when you start hearing from Christ, we need these conversations with Christ. We need to remind ourselves of the love and the sacrifice of what Christ produced in your life. Because if you can remember the love and the sacrifice that he produced, you will actually not want to do your human effort. If you can understand and remember, remember Christ and his sacrifice and what he did, you will not choose to walk your own path. Okay. It says here at the end, Go right down to the bottom. It says, all that I know now is partial and incomplete. Actually, no, let's go through the whole thing. Um, it says, okay. If I gave everything I have to the poor, right. So if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. <clears throat> All right, let's just slow it down here, okay? Love is patient and kind, right? This is, this is who God is. Love is patient and kind. What does that mean? Just blurt it out. What does that mean to you? Love is patient and kind. I want to get you guys engaged a little bit here for this part. What is, what is that to you? Long-suffering and gentle. Okay, yeah, that's patient and kind. Yeah. Um, any other thoughts? What's that? Loving, yeah. Always sees the best, yeah. Yeah, 
Now, what about this part? Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Have you seen, like, have you seen that behavior? Have you seen these kinds of behaviors? This is really interesting because this is a good little checkup point. I know for me, you know, I always ask myself, am I going to conduct myself when I, whenever I'm looking at even how I handle situations or different things that come up? Because you have to understand, you're dealing with your human nature here, right? So we are, I, I have a deep-seated, like, sinful aspect of who I am, as well as the deep-seated Christ aspect of who I am. And the idea is that we're trying to get rid of the bad and we're trying to have Christ be everything in our lives, right? And so here's the thing. It's a good reality. It's a good checkup call to say, am I seeing this, right? Am I seeing this expressed? Or like when I'm handling a situation, it's like, what's coming out of my thought right now? What's coming out of, my, what's coming out of the way that I'm understanding this right now? Am I understanding it through the eyes of Christ? Am I understanding things through God's lens? And so that's what we can challenge ourselves with, right? Because think about it, jealous, boastful, or proud, or rude. You see that, right, in the world, right? Especially in work, right? That's a huge thing in work, right? Oh, I need to get that next promotion. Oh, I'm look at look at all the things I did. I've got you know, blah, 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 boastful, right? Proud. Look at me, look at me, and rude, right? Oh, you're never, you know, you know how much work I put into this thing? You're never going to get anywhere close to this, right? It's like, when you start hearing those alarm bells, just know it's not love, right? And it says, um, it says, it does not demand its own way. That's an interesting one, isn't it? It doesn't demand its own way. Why, why would it not demand its own way? Does anybody have a thought on that? Love? Demanding its own way? Putting others first, yeah, for sure. When we're demanding our own way, what are we doing, right? Controlling, why? Why are we controlling it? Because we're thinking about, usually about us, right? It demands our own way because we're, we're just, we're very self-centered, right? That's, that's an aspect of it. Um, it says here, it is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. What does that mean? Forgiving, right. So if you had situation that has been a heavy situation, what, you know, and heavy is relative to every person. Everyone's a little bit different, got different exposure levels. What does that forgiveness look like? Right? It, it, the forgiveness has to happen. And you have to move on and you have to, you know, you have to not keep a record of that. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Amen? Because when you're like, wow, like God is moving, God is doing such wonderful things, right? You start, you see the spirit of God moving in the church or you, you know, you see him doing something inside of somebody's life and producing fruit. You're like, yes, the truth is winning out. Woo! Right? It says, love never gives up, never loses faith. It never gives up and it never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. You know, you could say that's optimism. Oh, that's such an optimism. It's just optimism. No, no, no. It's we're gonna make it happen. We're gonna do this thing. And we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we grind this thing out. You know what I mean? Like I my per the way that I am as a person, I'm that's that's the kind of person that I am. I'm like, no. We're holding on, we're going in that direction, 
you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna waffle around, this is gonna happen. And it's like, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's what love does, because there's light at the end of the tunnel. There's something good at the end of the tunnel, amen? Okay, and it says, um, love never gives up, yeah, never, okay. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledges will become useless, but love will last forever. So this, this topic, these things that we're highlighting right here, those qualities, those things will last forever. All of those like special talents, all of those like maybe somebody's good in the area of, of speech craft or you know, maybe they're good at um, music or whatever it is, all of those things, right, don't necessarily last. They're not going to last the same way that love lasts. It says, now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, those, um, no, sorry, these partial things will become useless. So prophecy, right, will become useless because we're going to get the whole picture. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, just like what we talked about earlier, right? But when I grew up, I put away childish things, right? Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely. Just as God now knows me completely, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Amen? Amen. Think about it. When I get up in the morning and I do my devos, I'm not like, you know, oh man, oh man, I just want to get this like super heavy anointing and like just have God just like, you know, just smash into this place. I can tell you right now, the only thing when, they, when people have desires like that, the only thing you get is you get to have like this where God wants to rip Things outside of, outside of you. He wants you to have your desires and your heart fixed upon him. Upon Christ. He wants to have your desires fixed upon Christ. And in the freedom that Christ produces, he produces victories in all sorts of areas of life. Christ produces so many wonderful things. Like when you really put time into prayer, when you really put time into getting to know him, you end up discovering all sorts of really cool things. All the things that he actually cares about. He doesn't care about all of the, all of the flash, all of the things that we, uh, that we put together in our, own, in our own selves. There's a place for God to use each one of us. And there's a place where God gives you a gifting. And he says, this is a gifting that I have bestowed upon you. Now go and use that gifting and serve me in it. But in it, you can't have the pride of your own humanity. Because you can't be built upon a life that is set on what you can accomplish in yourself. That when you go and have that time with Christ, when I go and have that time with Christ, I need to wrestle inside of myself to get to a place where I'm like, Jesus, and think about all the things that he is in that love chapter. Jesus, I come to know and worship you, Lord God. I come to exalt you. I come to spend my quality time with you. And in that place of heartfelt worship and prayer and just being in connection with him, that in that comes the wellspring of all of these really good 
qualities, all these really good things that God wants to do. They're tools and vehicles and all sorts of different types of instruments. And he has prophecy and speaking in tongues and, um, you know, healing the sick and raising the dead and, you know, going and, and, and seeing salvations and seeing family members come to know Christ and seeing, um, you know, children being freed from poverty and all sorts of things, like whatever it is, God has got a plethora of things because he is the author of it. He is the perfecter of it. When we go about our own ways, when we go about saying, oh God, I just pray that you would just give me, you know, you would just give me this awesome job and I, I really want to have this awesome job and I just, I want you to give it to me and bless it. You know what I mean? It's like, when did we go to God and say, God, what do you want? When did we go to God and say, God, I want to know you. When did we go to God and say, I actually understand that the meaning to even existing is actually built upon a relationship with you. How many of us actually ask ourselves those questions? Because that's actually what you're grounded in. If you really break it down, you're going to be grounded a lot more in the relationship with Christ, a lot more in the love of knowing who Christ is than you will upon any other aspect that you can pull together, right? And why does our heart wane? Why do we get so drifted at times? Well, maybe we're not in the, we're embedded, embedded in Christ. Maybe we're not embedded in the love of God. Maybe we're not embedded where it says that all of the wellsprings of life come out, right? Maybe we're not really embedded there. And so let's ask ourselves, you know, when we're faced with the challenges that we have, we all have them. And God is there. God has an opportunity to love on you. God has an opportunity to give you such wonderful things. And I want to express some of those wonderful things that are going to happen. Because I believe that as being a child of God, again, we've got the near, which is what we're kind of talking about right now. But I want to get you to understand the far. I want to get you to understand that no matter what happens, no matter what kinds of things are coming your way, when you're like, I know I'm grafted in. I know that God's got me saved. I want to give you a hopeful expectation. I want to give you something that you guys know that no matter what, even in your own strength, let's say you've had areas where you've faltered and you failed, that even in the midst of that, when you end up looking at the picture, when you look at the grand finale, the thing that God's got in the end, that you're actually going to say to yourself, it doesn't matter because I'm going to get there and I'm going to get what God has in store for me. And it stirs up in our spirit. It stirs up healthy things where you say that actually makes sense where you can't even make it make sense up here, but you can make it make sense in here. And that when you get that, that real reality of what that looks like, I mean, there is something that is unbreakable. There's a lot of people that think that the strength of a man is where it's at. They think that I'm gonna be so strong, look at me, <laughs> right? They've got that masculinity, right? Let me tell you something about that. That is subjected to the way that Christ created it from the beginning of mankind. And I can tell you one thing, that as humanity was built, that we were built upon Christ. We were built upon the love of who God is. And I can tell you right now that the power that's so much more than anything that you could ever experience is the power of that love. And that love is so deep and so real that nothing can break it. So let's go into that. Romans 8, 31 to 39. It says... 
What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. No one. You can have any force come against you. No one stands in the way because you have Christ, no man. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us, for you by name, not a broad stroke people here. He's praying and interceding you by name. Pleads for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. That right there, take all your masculinity or whatever you want to call it, you throw it into that, you're going to have the power that breaks hell in your life. There is no power that breaks that power. There is not one man that will stand in the way of that. And now let's go through the hope, the hopeful expectation like we were talking about. Revelations 21, 1 to 4. It says, this is the end. This is what you get to experience. You will experience this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And check this part out. This part's really, this part's really beautiful here. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. You will have a place where it is gone forever. That, to me, when I think of the love and the sacrifice, he doesn't think about how much sinful humanity you've got embedded in you. Think about the wrestling I've got inside of me. When will it be too much? When will it be that I've fallen off too far? When will that be? 
I can tell you one thing is that when you actually tap into the love of God and you display that, and I display that, let's say, true, you know, if I can display that truly with Timothy, there's never an end. In a healthy form of that relationship, there's never an end. And I don't care. I don't care what he does. I don't care what the person does. That never ends. Because your love of, of through Christ runs deep. Your love gets to run so deep. You get to have it where it doesn't ever end. That it just keeps growing and 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 growing. Guys, you are tied in to be heirs with Abraham. The love and sacrifice is countless. It's not going to ever be too big of a burden for him to handle. Why would he create a creation that he can't fulfill its dreams? Why would he create me to have me despised and have me riddling with fears and worries and anxieties that are common to the world today? Why would he allow me to have that? Why would he give that to me? He wouldn't because that's a cruel and corrupt man. A cruel and corrupt man is not who God is. If he says that he's going to wipe every tear away from my eyes, if he says that he has a plan where not any more sorrow is going to take place, and I'm going to do that forever, how powerful of a man is that to do that to everyone? And how complex is every person and every being? And how many desires and how many unctions do you have on the inner person that you are to have all sorts of things that you need to have transpire all throughout life. We all need to have different aspects that we get to grow into. You grow up. When I'm a child, I need toys or things that I can actually engage with. When I become a man, I have challenges and other aspects of things that God has to stir inside of me. I don't end. And every other person has no end. How much does God have to actually do? Here's another verse for you to express the end goal of what God has. Because it is so much more than what we can fathom. And it is past what you can actually muster up in your mind. If you could just sit there in your quiet space and be like, Lord, I want to I think on your thoughts you know, if you read in uh, Philippians, you know, um, uh, where it talks about, you know, you know, to think about these good things, right? Think about everything that's good, noble, pure, all of these things. Why? Because they were riddled with fear at that time. And, you know, the, uh, um, there were things that were going on where, um, you know, they were coming in and persecuting the church. And, and there's a whole message that Paul has around that. I won't go into the whole Philippians, but I mean, think about that. When you sit there and you meditate, no, Lord, that's just my own self getting in the way. No, Lord, that's my limited mind getting in the way. What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? And guess what? It's personal because it's meant for you and him alone. So he has something personable that he wants to give you. And he's like, I want to sow this into you, right? Like, look at the situation with Sarah. Like, she's got all these cool things that are happening in her business, right? That God is saying, Sarah, I want to sow this into you. Sarah, I want to sow this into you. And she's just like, you know, 
from my perspective, I mean, you could, you could talk to Sarah about her perspective. My perspective is she's soaking it all up and going, yeah, like, woo, like, this is awesome. Like, God, you're doing such really cool things. And she's excited and thrilled. And I believe that that's the spirit of God that's doing that. I really, truly believe that it's God himself that's actually saying, Sarah, I actually care about these things. Sarah, you are um, beautiful. Sarah, you are wonderfully made. Sarah, you are all of these cool things that I've got in store. Sarah, you are gifted. Sarah, you do know all these, these uh, awesome things that you can do in your business. And he's stirring that up on the inside of her, right? And he's actually sowing all of these things. And then out of the wellsprings of who Sarah is in her purified form of who she is in Christ, then she's able to sow that out, right? She's able to sow out of that. She's able to go, you can do it. You can do it. And she's cheering them on. And she's sowing that out. And she's sowing out those good things, right? Not out of, like, who Sarah is, just in and of herself. You know what I mean? Like, God uses the person, though. But God doesn't just do it only through just the person. He wants to do it with you. All right, so anyways, John 17, 20, 24. It says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be one, just as you and I are one. I love this verse. I, I just, I think about this one a lot. Um, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me, Father. I want these, um, sorry, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you've given me um, because you love me before the world began. There is no limit to Jesus. There is absolutely no limit to the power of God. There is such an uncapped and unprecedented amount of potential when we actually stir up the spirit of who God is in your life. That there are things that you might say to yourself, it's stopped. It's stopped, and I don't have what I need. That is the opportunity. That is the recipe and the lifeblood of where God has opportunity to show you the love that he has over your life. And that when that love does come, that now you won't be working out of your works, that you'll be working out of the love that was given to you, that you give to others. And out of that, people see Christ. And out of that, that's where people see the church. Amen? It's so easy to get lost in the works. It's so easy. But think about it. The love of Christ. Think about that love. Think about Abraham. Think about the sacrifice. Think about that it is countless. It wasn't you that decided it to be countless. It was God who decided it to be countless. That Abraham didn't decide it to be countless. That God decided it to be countless. And that Abraham became righteous because God saw that Abraham chose to believe and uh, Abraham chose a path that wasn't a path that all of the other people went down. You have a path in front of you. Are you going to remember? Are you going to remember the right path? And are you going to walk down that path? Because that's what God has for us. Amen? Amen. 
All right. Why don't we have the worship team up? Let's just soak in some time with the Lord. Let's um, lift his name up high. Let's exalt his name like there's no other. Let's trust and rely upon who God is because God has stored up so many riches. He stored up so many wonderful things that he has over your life. And just remember that it is not out of your own humanity, right? It's out of Christ. And, that, and know that the end game is beautiful. The end game is wonderful. The end game is for unity, for you in Christ. The end game is so that you will have no tears. You will have no sorrow. You will have a complete perfection when we get there and we actually get to spend time with our Heavenly Father. And I know that he has got really cool things in store. Let's push for it, guys.